0: Welcome back to another exciting episode of Me and Mr. 80s. I am Nick, the me part. And there, with his little Ghostbuster head peeking out of his shirt, <laughs> is Mr. 80s. Hi, everybody. It's
1: Daryl. Welcome to another edition of Me and Mr. 80s, where we're going to be discussing more great debates. We did this. A Several shows ago We thought it turned out smashingly well The handful of you who sat through the whole 90 minutes Probably agreed uh, So we're doing it again uh, We're yeah. going to stick to 60 minutes this time And these are great pop culture debates From throughout pop culture history And we're going to settle them Once And for oh. all Here today You're going to have your disputes settled here today In our forum in front of Judge Wapner <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, before we dove in, though, we did want to mention that in our last episode about Arena Rock, we were discussing when Jimmy Jameson, uh came over to uh, Survivor to replace Dave Sweeney as the lead singer. Uh, that they it kept being mentioned that he was the lead singer. He was um, country rock band Cobra lead singer Jimmy Jameson. Country Rock Band Cobra lead singer, Jimmy Jamison. And we had never heard of Country Rock Band Cobra. Uh, We thought Cobra was a ridiculous name for a country rock band. Yes, still is. And we couldn't really fathom what Jimmy Jamison would sound like fronting a country rock band. So after the show was over, we listened to Cobra's only album, First Strike. Do you get get the pun? There was no Second Strike. That was the only album they put out. And we discovered...
0: It was awesome.
1: And not country rock <laughs> at all. In in the slightest. In fact, <laughs> it sounds like Aldo Nova's first album. It's kind of commercial hard rock.
0: It's riff rock. It's good, though. I mean, boy, definitely uh, not country at all. So, <laughs> so Somebody was horribly wrong. Someone was drunk. Because
1: <laughs> there is nothing about Cobra... That's remotely country rock, and so now a 30-year mystery of my life has been solved. That
0: thank God uh, for the internet.
1: Thank God for the internet. So look it up, Cobra First Strike. Uh, if you are a, if you if you're a fan of you know Aldo Nova type stuff, or if, even if you're a fan of Jimmy Jamison era uh, Survivor, it's it's good stuff. We both liked it a lot. So yeah, very cool. So great debates. I think we have got a, a pretty good list here. And uh, the first one that you mentioned is from the sports world. And we don't, we don't really talk about sports that much on the show. And I like this. It's uh, Mark McGuire, Hall of Famer or Hall of Shamer. <laughs> and so to provide some context uh, for a brief moment in time, uh, Mark McGuire was the uh, single-season home run leader in Major League Baseball with uh, 70 yes shattering uh, Roger Maris's long held record of 61 home runs in a season and normally doing something like that would make you a shoe in for baseball's shoe-in. hall of fame but after his retirement uh it uh, he was under suspicion of being part of the steroids era and uh while there's no tests that say he did steroids Uh, He had a very controversial appearance before the congressional panel Mm -hmm. uh, into performance-enhancing drugs in baseball and came across as not being completely forthcoming. And, in fact, his most infamous quote is when he came before the panel to discuss things, and he knew he was going to be discussing things that had happened five to ten years previous, just kept saying, I'm not here to talk about the past. (laughs) Well, yes, you are. And so pretty much he is um, widely considered to be a drug cheat, even though there's really no concrete evidence to that fact other than the fact that he did bulk up and his body changed a lot and, and he probably did do it. There's just no evidence. Exactly. And so he'll probably never make it into the Hall of Fame because uh, sports writers who vote on that stuff in baseball.
0: uh, Are snobby pricks. Yes.
1: So, that sets the stage. So, what do you think? Mark McGuire, Hall of Famer, Hall of Shamer?
0: Uh, I absolutely think Hall of Fame. And I think it's a travesty beyond belief that the man who basically saved baseball is now being vilified by them. Uh, For anyone who was... Not a big baseball fan. The lockout uh, that had ruined a season the previous year.
1: Canceled the World Series for the first time in history?
0: Yep. Uh, Actually, you know what? I found out, uh, having listened to Ken Burns Baseball, or watching Ken Burns Baseball, that it actually was the second time. Because um, back in like 1904, a, a manager... Uh, This was when they first started, and this would have been like maybe the fourth or fifth World Series. He had gotten mad at the other league. This was back when they were basically two independent leagues. The American League was one league, and the National League was another league, and they combined them for the World Series. And so one of the guys who was prominent in one league was mad at the other guy, so when they were going to set up the World Series, he just said, fuck off, I'm not playing you. (laughs) And that was the, the actual first cancel. <laughs> so. We
1: it to Ken Burns to try to convince us to give a shit about stuff that happened hundred years ago. I can do that. Can, I can. I uh,
0: So anyway, so but this was this was you know baseball, the organization itself. Ruined its own sport by saying, well, we're just not going to have a World Series. We're just going to end the season. Screw you all. We're going to go take our ball and go home.
1: We're no longer talking about 1904 now. We're back up to, we're back to modern. Or yeah, that's 98 yeah, or 97 yeah. or
0: something like that. And so the next year they had problems with people coming to the stadium. They had problems with image problems of people, you know, feeling that baseball uh the organization had given up on the fans, so the fans were going to not show up. So, the fact that in that year, the uh, amazing race to see who would break Maris' record between basically Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa saved baseball. That put people back in the stadiums. That put them in the news for something good. That was how you know people came back to baseball.
1: Remarkably, two guys chasing history. Yeah. And I do recall, I mean, this was one of those uh, transcendent things that, that entered the day to day popular culture and, and really went far beyond baseball and sports. It was the kind of thing that uh, newspapers started putting like above the masthead up in the corner. Uh, the little countdown of, mm-hmm. of, you know, if they, it, where, where, where Sammy and, uh, Big Mac stood. Exactly. So you could watch it kind of day by day as it, as it crept up. And it was kind of this dramatic countdown to the end of the season to see who was going to finish with the most between the two of
0: them. Yeah. And it was, um, important to the sport of baseball. And I don't know how it would have worked out for the organization of baseball, if this hadn't happened. So now, you know, th- this is, you know, years after the fact, this is now five or six years after the fact, they start going, oh, drugs are bad. Oh, okay, well, we're gonna go look back in history and try and pinpoint who fucked up at a point when they weren't actually, uh, when it wasn't illegal baseball had not banned substances they didn't really the reason you can't uh, go back to all the tests that they took back when Mark McGuire was doing this is because they didn't test them <laughs> so you basically you can't you can't uh, get mad at a person for something that they did if you didn't say you, you if you didn't stop them from doing it five years ago. I mean, if you, I don't know, if you made a mistake at your work five years ago, and then you go to work one day, and they say, hey, five years ago you fucked something up, and we're pretty sure you fucked it up, but we don't have any proof on it, but we still want to fire you. That would be, oh, I don't know, horribly wrong. (laughs) Yet, that is exactly what they're doing, Mark McGuire. They are basically vilifying him for something that they didn't correct at the time, but they are now doing a judge judge and jury thing, saying, "Well, we're pretty sure you fucked that up. We're pretty sure you did something wrong, and we're going to now not let you into the Hall of Fame because of it."
1: I'd be curious to know what your brother thinks of this, since he, he comes, doesn't agree. Since he comes from the sports media, I assumed he did not, because he's probably more of a a purist, purist. about these things. Yes.
0: Yeah. And you know, and they they tainted the sport, and they did wrong. And I think going forward, yes, I think if you know, the the current debate on Ryan Braun, mm-hmm. you've, you've I assume seen all that.
1: Yeah, that he pretty much he got off because proper protocol was not followed in the handling of his sample.
0: took your mic you or something It just seems like you're you're soft in my ear <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't want to ruin the debate here, but
1: okay, better, yeah, better all right, sorry like
0: um, so so this so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so so Ryan braun basically challenged it because the sample was not
0: and done correctly, yeah. and he usually gets off on a technicality. county now, in this case. It's a modern era, it's a debate it's a that's happening correctly at the right exact time. If he does not get in because of some sort of taint to his credit because of this, that, I feel, is correct. But if you're looking backwards in time, you can't really say, what, which pitcher was juiced? Which hitter was juiced? You know, uh, it's like going back and saying, you know what? I think you stole signs. Your second baseman saw what the catcher did and you fed Kirk Gibson the, uh, the, the pitch that he hit over and, you know, that legendary home run that, uh, in the world, you know, in the World Series. You can't go back in history to, to break people for things that they may have done.
1: Without proof is what you're saying. Well,
0: yeah. Without even if you have proof, you should have done this at the time it happened. If you want to, you if you want to get Ryan Braun, get him now. Don't wait five years. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and if if the person like Mark McGuire has saved your fucking sport, (laughs) don't cut him off at the knees.
1: I think I would say, uh, and I am not an expert on this, and so my opinion probably does not count for a uh, full vote here, but I certainly understand the complexities of not wanting to have people who took performance-enhancing drugs in the Hall of Fame. I can understand that debate. I also understand the flip side, though, that says that this was an era where that kind of stuff was going on because it was basically the Wild West, and I think some people have suggested that anybody who played between certain eras gets in but gets an asterisk or something. But then other people say, well, you know, people like Ken Griffey were clean and played during that era. And that would not be fair to them to do that. Uh, I always I always thought that McGuire was an excellent ambassador for the sport.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he did screw up big time. And... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I personally like the guy, and I think that baseball writers uh, are... I would love to see somebody look into the uh, personal failings of baseball writers with the same zeal that <laughs> people have looked into the failings of some of the guys they're voting on. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seems like they're being a little disingenuous with the high and mighty way that they get to choose who gets that honor.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, But the fact of the matter is we're still talking about basically putting a gold store on homework done by guys who were paid millions of dollars to do this. (laughs) So, yeah, I I have less empathy for it. (laughs) So I don't know where I come down. It does not bother me. It would not bother me either way. It doesn't bother me if they keep him out, although I think they're kind of being dickheads. uh, And it wouldn't bother me if he got in. I would not be outraged by it. So that's that. We've probably spent enough time talking about Maguire. so let's move on to something <laughs> that other people probably have you know, more of an investment in, um, which is the eternal question of Star Wars versus Star Trek. <laughs> now, I know where I come down on this. I think you, though, might be a bit more conflicted because you come from a sci-fi family.
0: <laughs>
1: For me, I find Star Trek... To be uh, at best boring, at worst pompous, and so it's clearly Star Wars for me. If we're talking about parts four through six, <laughs> a new hope to the turn of the Jedi.
0: So you didn't run out and see uh, episode one in 3D? No. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, Four, five, and six are truly some of the best movies on the planet. Um, I was just looking at top-grossing films of the '80s, and two of the top-grossing films of the '80s were Empire and, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi. And it's for a reason. You know, the, the reason that George Lucas keeps putting these things out is that these are classic movies that can be enjoyed by a wide section of audience. Yeah. You know, it's not just a sci-fi person who can enjoy the the movie. You really can, you know, it really can cross over to a mainstream audience. It's just, you know, it's good family fun. You know, it's, yeah.
1: Timeless adventure. Exactly.
0: Now, two and three are, are good movies. One is... Still, I mean, I just watched this thing maybe a month ago. It is still a pile of shit.
1: Phantom Menace.
0: Yes, I mean, Jar Jar Binks ruined the entire movie. I mean, he just did. I, I still want to like the movie, but fuck, what a dumb idea. I mean, wow. Uh, so and and so they have a great legacy. Star Trek, though. Has been around for forever. Yes, <laughs> I mean starting from the '60s, and it's still going on, and it's still spawned so many movies and uh, TV series. All, TV series, and also it really, you know, a, a canon of of books and concepts and you know technical data of things that you've never that have never actually existed. I mean, it's really. Uh, technical data
1: of things that have never
0: they, existed. Yeah, they have <laughs> put out whole books of uh, like technical data about the ships and of how they created the weapons and all this kind of stuff. I mean, volumes of stuff that are all just conjecture about concepts that have never truly existed in the in the world, right, only so in someone's up. mind. Okay, so. While the Star Star Wars is a great fantasy adventure, the concept of Star Trek is really a great, uh, great idea for an advancement of science and nature and humanity.
1: In other words, boring and pompous. Well
0: I, I like the concepts that Star Trek builds itself, where it says, you know, that we are capable of becoming uh, one world where we can get along with most everybody in it and we can just explore and meet new people and learn new things and become a great and wonderful intergalactic society. That's a good concept. That's not really pompous. That's just a wonderful idea of humanity. You socialist. Yes, that's totally what I am. <laughs> Me and Obama, total socialists. Um, so, uh, as, while I do think that Star Wars are three of the best album, three of the best movies on the planet, and three of the two of the better w- movies of the, of our era. I do think that I would give it to Star Trek for its high-minded ideals that I think should be perpetuated forever.
1: All right. Similar vein. The character from Star Wars was, of course, <laughs> Han Solo, played by uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford also played Indiana Jones. So, Harrison Ford's most iconic role, Han Solo or Indiana Jones?
0: Wow, I love both of those characters. But I I, I think to me I, I love Han Solo better. I, I think he is a great uh classic character for being the the uh opportunist with a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. He's like the male version of the pretty woman character. <laughs>
1: I, I would agree. I find Han Solo to be the more engaging character. I think because Indiana Jones, his name is... Are we okay? Yeah, I was just trying to...
0: For some reason, the thing is... Yeah,
1: we're good. Uh, because Indiana Jones has the name in the title of some of the films, mm-hmm. I think that's the one, that that's the lazy choice, that's the easy choice, and because of that, that probably is the character that's going to be more remembered. <laughs> But I think it's Han Solo all the way, for all of the uh, reasons that you pointed out. I mean, who would you rather have a beer with in the bar, in the cantina on Tatooine, you know? Oh, yeah. In Mos Eisley. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's Han Solo, obviously. He's he's a lot um, more of a rogue. He's a lot chattier. He's a lot funnier, Um, you know. Indiana Jones is a lot more laconic. Uh, he, I don't know, He just he's kind of a surly cuss.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's, good. he's a great explorer. He's the kind of guy, you know, India would be the kind of guy you'd want to have on an adventure. Because, well, because you're
1: stuck in the woods. <laughs>
0: you know. Or in stuck in a Mayan temple with someone about to rip your heart out of your chest. Right. But, yeah.
1: But s- say we solo, huh?
0: I, yeah, I totally think, you know, solo is the... Is a great character.
1: All right, James Bond, another iconic character from literature and film. A number <laughs> of actors have played this iconic character. Who was the best actor to play James Bond? Who, of course,
0: it's Timothy Dalton. Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> I guess, and I guess I should, even, I should even narrow it down to not even who was the best actor, who best embodies James Bond. Yes. So, in other words. When you subconsciously think about James Bond, what actor do you see? And before we get into this, I want to say, because you and I are the same age, we kind of are at a disadvantage because we're both from the Roger Moore era. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I was going to bring that up myself. And the Roger Moore era, um, it seems like as time has passed, it's become even more and more maligned to the point where they make it sound like it was Nathan Lane playing James Bond. I mean they make it sound like Zorro the Gay Blade. Oh,
0: really? Or something. <laughs> Which I don't remember it being that bad. No, but I I, I do think that it, it you know, it's it's a campier version of the Sean Connery. And I, I would agree with that. He was more quippish, the uh Jaws, the the, the mm-hmm. guy with the metal teeth, yes. was, you know, his his biggest, you know, uh, enemy, and that is kind of...
1: Uh... But didn't Bond always have kind of the Dick Tracy villains?
0: Well, yeah, but you kind of think of, like, you know, the, the, the to me, the iconic James Bond uh, enemy was the guy that was petting the white cat. Yes. No, oh, Mr. Was Bond, the... I expect you to die. Was that, you know, Blo- was
1: that Blofeld? Or Bluffer was the was the dwarf, I can't remember. Uh,
0: yeah, I think that was.
1: It's the guy that Doctor Evil was based on.
0: Yeah. Probably. And, no. go ahead. So it, so it's uh it's the more is the one I grew up on and the one where I learned to enjoy the series. But having seen everything from you know Daniel Craig and. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, who I did think was a f- fabulous uh, James Bond. I just think his movies were not as good. I mean, if you would have put Pierce Brosnan in a James Conn er, James uh, Connor er, Sean Connery era uh, Film. movie, I would pick him.
1: Well, and I wanted to talk about Brosnan for a little bit because. Uh, yeah uh, most people are probably aware that uh, when Roger Moore left the series um they wanted Pierce Brosnan to take the role um but he was already locked into Remington Steele and Remington Steele much the way that Magnum PI would not let Tom Selleck take the Indiana Jones role Remington Steele would not let bon, uh uh Pierce Brosnan take the Bond role which is how we ended up with Timothy Dalton <laughs> travesty of Timothy so so then finally, many years later, uh, Pierce Brosnan gets his chance. And I remember being so psyched because, I mean, Pierce Brosnan just looks like he was formulated in a laboratory <laughs> to play James Bond. Doesn't yeah,
0: he? Absolutely.
1: And I remember just being like, when Goldeneye came out, thinking to myself, this, this has the potential to even erase... The legacy of Sean Connery, because <laughs> because that is how perfect this guy is for this role. We are going to see something transcendent here, mm-hmm. and was so underwhelmed. Yeah, with the movies that he was in, felt not like the movies
0: was, not. I still, I was never underwhelmed with
1: him. I felt like it was such a missed opportunity. Yeah,
0: he he missed his. Now, now granted, you know I've never really gone back uh, ever and watched the Timothy Dalton era. But I would—I guess I kind of would want to maybe watch the first one of that and s- see if I can picture Pierce playing that.
1: Well, uh, you know, most people didn't even see the Timothy Dalton era. I don't think I've seen any Timothy Dalton era films, but a lot of people say, saw both of them. And... A lot of people say that that era is actually very similar to the Daniel Craig era, where you've got a more serious, hmm. lethal version of the character. But what I always heard was that you've just got a more serious, dull version yeah. of the character.
0: He was dull and dickish. You know, he didn't have... Bond has a uh, has a gentleman swagger that I think is definitely in Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan and is sort of in Roger Moore. I think Moore... Definitely took it into a different place where he was almost, uh, almost being ironically, you know, he, he was he was the hipster version of himself,
1: <laughs> hipster James Bond. Yes. Roger Moore was hipster James Bond. I,
0: that, that is that is actually that's definitely that, that yes. Instead of a tuxedo, he was wearing a sweater and Chuck Taylors. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. I think
1: to uh, to actually arrive at a decision of who was who best embodies Bond, I almost feel like we need to DQ Connery since Connery originated the role. I think we need to do the whole Eddie Van Halen, he can't he can't be guitar player of the year anymore kind of a thing. I think we need to bench Sean Connery. We need to say that, yes, he is the Greek god of James Bond. So now, amongst the rest of them, who best embodies James Bond?
0: Hands down, Pierce Brosnan. And I liked Daniel Craig's Bond, and I think that those two movies have been very good. Um but again there to me the, the the very British way that he seems to be, where he is he can be vicious and a killer but can then stop and have his you know martini shaken not stirred. Is, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> have his Cake and eat it, too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, what? Uh, uh, Lazenby? George Lazenby? Yeah, George Is he Lassen. in this somewhere? <laughs> he, he could be in this mix.
1: I mean, if you were really impressed by what he did, Lazenby well. could definitely be here. We could even talk about David Niven from the first Casino Royale. Um this is a, this is really a tough one because I, I want to say Brosnan. I really do, but I realize that it's a decision being made with my heart, not my head. Uh, I want to say Daniel Craig and yet, uh, I don't know that he has done it enough for me to make a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if we're talking about the best marriage of material and portrayal and we're DQing Connery, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I gotta go, Roger Moore. I did love a lot of his stuff. All right, so we got a split decision. Uh, when it comes to let's we'll move now into uh, 80s television, which in the post-Star Wars era, a lot of network. TV networks tried to get on the science fiction bandwagon. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so two shows that are very similar as far as being influenced by Star Wars and coming out at about the same time and dealing with the uh, budget constraints of doing science fiction (laughs) on television would be the original Battlestar Galactica and the television version of Buck Rogers, which, yes, we're aware that Buck Rogers actually you know, precedes Star Wars by by many decades as a character. <laughs> yes. But the only reason it made it to TV in the 1980s was, because, well, Star Wars, was because. because of Star Wars. So, here's the debate of these two science fiction television shows from the 80s in the post-Star Wars era that both dealt with really bad budget constraints, <laughs> which was the better, most successful show, Battlestar Galactica, the original, with Alpo Man, Lorne Green, (laughs) or Buck Rogers with Aaron Gray and uh, Gil Gerard.
0: I love that you, Aaron Gray was first, and then you had to go, oh, I and that other guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Aaron Gray was hot. Um, I extensively watched both episodes, or both shows, of course, because I was a geek. Still am.
1: I was kind of Uh, relying on that because mm -hmm. I only watched them, you know, just because I watched all that stuff when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But I kind of figured you probably had a better memory of it.
0: Yeah, the, uh, I think the difference would be that there was more drama with the Galactica than there was with Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers was definitely, uh, more action oriented and there was a little more humor in there. And um, the action in Galactica was much more the ships flying around than anything else. So it was basically drama, drama. Let's go have a dogfight, drama, drama. Mm -hmm. And 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 I will just be looking at Galactica, not the sad ass. I don't know. Galactica,
1: 1980.
0: Yeah. Wow, that was terrible. Um but as far as, and I think Galactica only lasted maybe one season?
1: Battlestar Galactica was one season, uh, Galactica 1980 was a, uh, very short 12
0: episode season, so. How do you get a spin-off after one season? <laughs> that seems really, m- 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 it was probably budgetary. It wasn't, because was exactly that was... They, they, that was their moving to the uh, thing, so they could shoot uh, on Earth. That was
1: it was it was a total budgetary thing where they didn't want to completely give up on the idea of the show. Uh, actually, it was a letter writing campaign that brought it back. They did see that there was a fan interest, but they had already broken camp from the first one, and so they were not able to get all the actors back because they'd moved on to other jobs, and so they had to come up with this completely new concept, and so the. Uh, the network basically said, okay, we've got all these fans out there that claim they love this show. We'll bring it back, but we can't get certain actors back because they've moved on because we'd already canceled the show. And we're also not bringing it back at the price tag that it was. So you're going to have to lower the, the you know, you're going to have to fit a much lower budget. So with, with that in mind, okay. <laughs> and they came up with Galactic in 1980.
0: Yeah, that wasn't very... <laughs> it wasn't a very good idea.
1: So, so you you've pretty much described you know how how Galactica works. Then, what's your impression of of Buck Rogers? I remember it being a lot more uh, interior sets, a lot less outer space stuff. Yeah, I But, but, I good, but good looking interior sets.
0: Yes, exactly. There, there was, to me, it was it was uh, budget wise, it kind of seemed like Star Trek: The Original Series, where they probably had like twelve sets, and they just. Dress them up differently every, you know, every week to make them look different. You know, there was the, the corridor of a spaceship. (laughs) And they just changed a couple of colors and it was now 12 different spaceships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you, you know, and then there was always, you know, the chamber of, you know, some maiden or something. And then they had the one cave. (laughs) It was, I, I think I was more entertained by Buck Rogers. I think that it was, you know, the, the story being him being a fish out of water, he was from the, the 20th century and ends up in a uh, fantastic and far away age with spaceships and robots and uh, Aaron Gray looking hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, the, uh, I think I appreciated the humor more there and I think the, especially for my young mind, the drama was kind of interesting because I was a geek but I was really looking for more of the, you know, happy little entertainment.
1: So you're voting Buck Rogers.
0: I definitely am.
1: So then I would ask, um, when making a call between these two shows, should the fact that the original Galactica influenced a reimagining of it that became so critically acclaimed, should that be put into the package there and say, well, you know, if we didn't have this, we also would not have had that, and so therefore that elevates...
0: I never watched the second Battlestar. Okay, so I uh, I know it was critically acclaimed, but um, I don't know how much the original show influenced. I mean, to me, it seems like so many things that are reimaginings are. It's almost like you know, like it seems like the the new Twenty One Jump Street movie is the the concept is barely plausibly mm-hmm. <laughs> usable yeah. as as that name, so I don't know have you watched the uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, the second one?
1: Uh, Mrs. 80's watched it religiously I did not um, I was familiar enough with it to know that they actually uh, made a very valiant attempt to make sure that all of or most of the elements of the original show were in the new show, but they had been, you know, completely uh, reimagined, fooled with, whatever you want to say,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so that they were not they were not you know treated as sacred documents by any stretch of the imagination. Probably the easiest example would be uh, of uh, how Starbuck was a woman in mm-hmm. in the reimagining. Uh, it's a lot more complicated than that, but that just kind of shows how they had a character named Starbuck, but uh definitely a different, totally different vibe and angle on it. There were Cylons, but it was a completely different... Yeah, weren't they human-looking? Yes, yeah, so it was a completely different kind yeah. of a concept. Yeah, Admiral Adama was there, but you know, a much different type of character. So.
0: And plus, they, you know, must, uh, the Battlestar second time around was, what, six or seven seasons, so they had a lot of... <laughs> a lot more to do. I think it was four or five. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was... Well yeah, there's also, you know, uh, series of T V movies and the uh, Caprica spin off and all that, so I think I also yeah.
1: would vote with you. I would say Buck Rogers probably of those two, but I gotta say, if you would if you ask me, you know, okay, you've got an afternoon, would you rather watch the pilot Buck Rogers or the Pilot Battlestar? I would choose to watch the Battlestar pilot. Hmm. Just uh, mainly because it's been so long since I've seen it. I would, I would love to see how it still holds up.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious about that. Uh, I, although I do have, I, I haven't seen the old Battlestar Galactica, but I know that Buck Rogers is on Netflix, and I just put it into my queue recently because I was like, oh, I'd like to see that again. Yeah.
1: I'm looking down the list. Let's change it up We're a little at bit. 38
0: minutes, just to keep the audience abreast. <laughs> At the running ticker, so you can get on with your day, everybody. We will, we will not go to an hour and a half. We swear.
1: How did you phrase the Limp Biscuit question? I've got it down as Saviors or Goats.
0: <laughs> I think I said, um, yeah, Saviors of Rock or Destroyers of Rock. <laughs> Which I'm surprised there's even a question. Well, but they they did basically whether they you know, whether they like it or not, started rap rock. I mean, as a genre and a viable commercial entity, and, you know, that...
1: I'm surprised that you, a oh, fan of Judgment Night soundtrack, would say that.
0: Well, I think that they made it a viable commercial entity. Okay. And I think that from that, there have been a lot of... Um, a lot of bands that have been influenced by them, even if I don't know that they'll admit it, um, to very to having a more um, hip hop influenced uh, rock sound, and I think you know that it, it can really be traced back to them. But would it have happened without them? Possibly. Would they be? Uh, will they be remembered in history as, you know, founding fathers of a genre? Will they, and, and is that, (laughs) is that going to be considered a good thing now or at any other time?
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, if, if your claim to fame is being the, uh, originator and or popularizer of rap rock, that's sort of like, being proud because you're patient zero of the AIDS epidemic, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, to me, limp Biscuit is on the short list of worst band of all time,
0: and see, I know that I should agree with you, but I just I just thoroughly enjoyed that first album, uh, well, okay, the, the second album, the one that had Nookie, and that had his uh thing with, uh, um, crap, I can't even I think, Redman or something, and, you know, they, they had, you know, uh, a few singles off that, and I didn't really like the album before that, and I didn't really like anything else they'd done, including that weird-ass cover of Behind Blue Eyes. Oh, my God and I don't care that One of he's... the single worst moments of my life was the first time that I heard that song on the radio.
1: I still remember it. It was so bad, I can remember where I was the first time I heard it.
0: Wow. That, that's not good. So... But I thoroughly enjoyed Nookie. I remember hearing that song and I'm like, wow, I love the rhythm of that. I love the aggressive sound of that. And I, you know, and I have enjoyed some offshoots of that genre. As, as you mentioned, I you know, very much enjoy the Judgment Nine soundtrack where they basically paired up uh rappers and rockers, you know, stuff like Cypress Hill and, and uh, Pearl Jam and Sir Mix-a-Lot and somebody and uh, Mud Honey and somebody and uh, Teenage Fan Club and somebody. It's just all sorts of crazy ass things that you would think would not work at all, but I think that album totally kicked ass. So,
1: So, you know where I stand on this? I say they're definitely goats. Are you saying
0: that Lip Biscuit are saviors? I guess I can't, I can't say saviors. I think they, I think they did something that I enjoyed, but I think overall they're going to be remembered as a destroyer's hell you was still good
1: well thank god you've come to your senses my <laughs> god rooting for patient zero <laughs>
0: Yay, <A's! laughs> just awful just awful
1: uh, i'm looking at the uh, list of topics that we've got on the list here we've got some we've got some good ones left actually mm-hmm. um all right, I'll let you choose. Do you want to discuss Appetite versus Back in Black, or do you want to discuss Zeppelin or Sabbath? Oh, I love Zeppelin, Sabbath. All right, so Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath—that is the great debate that's on the table.
0: Which one is the Godfather of Rock?
1: The Godfather, or godfather of Metal. Of godfather of Metal.
0: And I, to me, both have been have been cited as the they are the originator and Godfather of. Of heavy metal and, hmm, interesting. Yes. So
1: you're totally throwing out Blue Shear, bl- throwing out Steppenwolf, throwing out uh, Iron Butterfly.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. To me, the the that uh, from from what I've read and listened to and heard over the years, these two have been cited by most people. Because you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who are not deep into music are not going to know who blue cheer is Uh but as if you can just walk up to man on the street and say who's the godfather of rock uh, of heavy metal one of these two bands is probably going to be cited all right and i think that as far as the To me, you know, the difference between hard rock and heavy metal is I think metal has a little bit more of the theatricality and doom and gloom, and I think that is best represented by Black Sabbath. All right. I think, you know, Zeppelin definitely had had a sound that could have been uh, seen for a heavy metal sound. It did have an intricate structure. It did have uh a very you know the 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 story to heaven kind of thematic uh fantasy you know uh, battle of evermore and all these kind of things right. that is definitely a metal concept the stuff that dio would pick up exactly the dio maiden that kind of thing so i can see where that can come come from but i really think that you know that that tuned down sound that kind of heavy thud uh of a you know uh of, you know, Iron Man and something like that, that is really, and even, you know, when Ozzy could go high and shrill, you know, that's definitely a metal concept uh, that, you know, was used, and uh, Zeppelin singer uh, Robert Plant, you know, had that high voice, but I don't think he quite used it to try and be scary, where I think, you know, uh, Ozzy was definitely doing that.
1: He was doing it to get in girls' pants.
0: Yes, exactly. Which is, again, as we're bringing up cock rock and hair metal and all that kind of stuff, definitely metal wants to, you Led, know... Because
1: Led Zeppelin's got a lot of female fans. Does Black Sabbath have any female fans?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to say no. Because if that's the case...
1: They probably are the more metal of the two, because <laughs> when you think of heavy metal, you think of, you know, disenfranchised, pimply-faced, white, 17-year-old boys with nary a girl in sight.
0: Very true. Mastering furiously, though.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> in hopes of one day kiss. Yes.
1: Well, uh, I... Um I'm not particularly enamored with either one of these two bands, but the one that I find the least unlistenable is Zeppelin. So I guess we're split. <laughs> but, you know, by default.
0: You don't like either of them? They are like, oh, wow. <laughs>
1: it's not that I don't like them. I just, you know.
0: Unlistenable?
1: Okay, maybe that's a little Oh, harsh. my gosh. That's maybe a little harsh. Um. All right. No, so do we want to do? <laughs> I'm really interested in doing one of the funny ones. I would like. I would like to do Canada or Mexico.
0: <laughs> now, I wanted to ask when you said that what 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 is your distinction? Is uh, is it uh, which border would I like to cross? <laughs> where would I where would I like to live live in while I'm becoming while I'm avoiding the draft? Uh,
1: I think the way I would frame it is if we could only keep one as our neighbor. If we could only keep nuke one, the other one, if we, okay. If we could only keep one as our neighbor, which one would you choose?
0: I think it would have to be Canada cuz I hear it's really clean up there. I, I think, think if they're going to be clean and friendly, that just, you know.
1: I too would have But I do to love
0: me. Mexican food. So, you know, I don't know if I want to pass up, you know, a good taquito.
1: <laughs> I, Good, it's interesting you chose that uh, word. <laughs> Taquito.
0: <laughs> Which probably isn't at all Mexican. Actually, it's pro- well, it's, really a, probably it's one of those
1: one of those, you know, tortillas that's tightly wrapped, I mm-hmm. think. It sort of looks like a tortilla cigar.
0: Yes. But I always wonder whenever I see anything I always wonder when I see anything like that if if there's anything ex- actually existing like that in a Mexican culture. Because we're so bad at it, just sort of coming up with the dumbest shit and going, oh, sure, it's Mexican. Just add Ito to the <laughs> end. <laughs> it's
1: a hamburgerito.
0: <laughs>
1: Would you like a pizzito?
0: <laughs> Could I interest you in an eggrolito? <laughs> it's very Mexican egg rolls.
1: <laughs> Well, when I think of Canada, I think of dull cleanliness. And when and Michael I think, J. Fox, oh. and when I and when I think of Mexico, I think of filth and murder. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder which one you're going to pick. <laughs> filth and murder.
1: This is, I, I know I sound like <laughs> the most xenophobic, horrible American right now. <laughs> I mean,
0: I, think of kidnappings and narco-traffickers?
1: <laughs> it's just like, my God, why would anybody want to go there?
0: Well, apparently they give out lots of drugs.
1: Yeah, but then they murder your
0: wife. Oh, well, she probably had it coming. <laughs> letters,
1: we get letters. We get
0: lots and lots of letters.
1: So, it sounds like we're both saying Canada. <laughs> Licorice or black licorice?
0: I can't remember the last time I had black licorice, so I always when there when there is a choice, I always go red. Go red or go dead?
1: I think that there was probably a time when <coughs> licorice only meant black licorice, so red licorice is kind of an imposter, you know. Oh, <laughs> really? And so, so it, it's definitely less authentic. But eating black licorice. <laughs> The only way mm. that I can describe the taste of black liquor. Oh, here
0: comes, folks! Wait for it.
1: <laughs> is that it? Probably tastes like giving a rim job <laughs> to an alcoholic bum.
0: <laughs> oh well. So I'm gonna have to vote (laughs) red. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) And do you want to think about that? I mean, (laughs) oh no!
1: Uh. (laughs) Uh. (coughs) That
0: is way too specific.
1: flavors on the planet (laughs) (laughs) I mean the guy that invented the flavor of licorice and said ooh I'm going to feed this to people (laughs) most of it hated humanity (laughs) (sighs) well we have time for one more (laughs) cover now and uh, we'll we'll talk uh, dallas or dynasty which is the more iconic show that defines a decade <laughs> limited to those two shows
0: well i never saw either of them but i have been you know living with the references of who shot jr forever and i feeling like we probably always will it was too big of a touchstone And too many people watched it at the time, and so now it is always a pop culture reference. And I don't think that Dynasty really has lived on, definitely not as well, but uh, not in a uh, strong pop culture way. I would probably have to
1: agree with you. Um, Although the thing about it is that on the one hand... Dynasty really came to symbolize 80s excess, you know, wealth and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And also had a really strong villain in the Alexis Carrington character. And then as strong as J.R. was as a villain and as popular as the Who Shot J.R. whole thing concept was, mm-hmm. that happened in 1981, very early in the decade. And then the show really slowly started petering out toward the midpoint of the decade so really about the time that dynasty is rising is about the time that dallas is doing their last season was all a dream <laughs> stuff and kind of jumping the shark oh, yeah. uh, so that's what makes it worth debating but i do think that the power of the jru in character and the who shot jr phenomenon is too strong and so the nod has to go to dallas so, did you want to, do to? Are we still going? Yep, we've still got more. Uh, do we want to do Appetite or Back in Black? Or do we want to uh, do Video Killed the Radio Star?
0: <laughs> I, I like both. What do you feel?
1: Well, we keep teasing Appetite or Back in Black. And since you did research on it, I feel like we should give you an opportunity to. <laughs> so, uh, which is the better hard rock album? Of the '80s, Back in Black, Appetite for Destruction. This is a tough one. When you think about it, you might yeah. you might automatically think you lean one way or the other, but when you really think about it, tough one.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the definitely Back in Black had some of the uh, iconic songs that ACDC is known for. Definitely, you know, with Hell's Bells, Black and Black, and You Shook Me All Night Long. So that. Is, you know, putting those together on one album, the, the, uh, the singer, you know, the kind of,
1: uh, uh, iconic. The dramatic rising from the ashes, kind exactly, of? Exactly.
0: Phoenix from the ashes sort of thing. And, you know, so this is basically two bands on a start. I mean, you know, this is ACDC's restart and Appetite's you know, thundering opening salvo. It's interesting where they've gone since then, since right. <laughs> Guns N' Roses has been, you know, firing hits and misses since then and basically AC D C has ridden this wave mm-hmm. till its current
1: day. They just keep churning out the widgets and doing what they do. Uh both albums are, you know, diamond selling. Right. Know, so I mean both both records sold within uh, in excess of 10 million copies. they both oh, yeah. huge records, uh, both very well-remembered for, for good reason, both very influential. Uh, <clears throat> Back in Black has got one of my all-time favorite ACDC songs with uh, Shoot the Thrill on it. Um, there's also a, a really great um, unheralded tune on there called uh, Shake a Leg that's uh, really good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what it comes down to me <coughs> is if we're really going to settle this debate is that Back in Black, as good as it is, still has a fair amount of filler on it. Songs that, while they might be enjoyable to listen to, just do not hold up to the quality of some of the other songs. Whereas, if you're going to look at Appetite, with a uh, a 12-track album, uh, there's maybe only one or two songs that you can say are filler. And mm-hmm. even that, you could make a debate for the fact that they're not really filler. Yeah, and so because of that, and for that reason only, I would probably have mm-hmm. to give the nod to Appetite.
0: Yeah, uh, I would agree that um, there's a album, you know, track by track. If you were you know, going between the two albums, I think that uh, Appetite would win out just on the strength of some of the non-singles, that their non-singles were better than ACDC's Back in Black's non-singles. And as far as influence, would you say that Appetite has been more influential to uh, other artists than Back in Black? Because I kind of think that Back in Black might actually be more influential.
1: Well, I think that just ACDC as a band is more influential for one simple reason. Um, Angus Young is such a master at coming up with simple blues riffs that people who are first learning to play guitar in their bedroom can Mm -hmm. replicate and feel like they're getting somewhere because they can sound sort of like a guy that they look up to. Uh, the, that for that very reason, that makes ACDC more influential than virtually any of their other peers. Mm-hmm. That's a double-edged sword, though, because then a lot of people think that he's not all that talented. What they don't understand is that to be able to churn out those kinds of riffs for for four, 30, for four, 40, de- yeah. for four decades that are both simple but memorable... You try to do that and tell me how easy it is.
0: Yeah. Try to do that for one album, let alone 30. <laughs> yeah. So I I love Guns N' Roses, and I love Appetite. And I'm still going to go with the Guns N' Roses, although it's really close it's really close
1: like i said the the the, only, the 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 tipper for me is just that there's not i think, think as far as career
0: anymore. and uh as, the, as the, far as the bands themselves go i'd give A C D S the edge but Absolutely. i think in these two albums appetite squeaks out
1: i would agree <coughs> well you want to talk video killing the radio star yeah let's go for it so the question is did video kill the radio star
0: well, the buckles ask the question and we'll solve it for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think video has completely destroyed radio. I think video has destroyed singles and has changed forever and will never be able to unchange the fact that music is now. Tied to video forever. You know, if you go to listen to a song on YouTube, you have to see a video for it. They'll just tie pictures into it, right. just so you can have something there. But it, it is pictures will always be linked to to audio now.
1: It's an interesting question because of the fact that uh, videos as a marketing tool are really not as important anymore as they used to be since nobody plays videos anymore. <laughs> um, and it's also, you have to, I think when you're pondering the question, have to separate the difference between Radio Star and radio. Because if the question is, did video kill radio as a medium, the answer is no. no. The, the reason that I mean, radio basically uh, died by its own hand oh, for, for reasons that we could get into at another time. <laughs> but it had very little to do with competition uh, from video. But as far as did video kill the radio star? Let's rephrase it a different way. Did video make it nearly impossible for ugly people who were good musicians to have careers? Yes. You bet your ass it did. <laughs> and I, I sometimes think of. Uh, you know, guys like Phil Collins, who are not the most attractive-looking people, and even though they were big video stars, mm-hmm. it's because the ball was already rolling. They already had momentum, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, if you tried to use video as a medium to break an artist that looked like Phil Collins, good luck. And, in fact, we, can, we actually have a historical precedent for this, which is Christopher Cross, Because Christopher Cross was the biggest artist in the world in 1980, swept the Grammys. He was a fat guy with an ugly beard. (laughs) And one and a half, two years later, video is all the rage. Video is very important. He's in the infancy of his career. His second album comes out in 1983. And while it does have a fair amount of radio hits, that's it. His career is over. And I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that he was an unattractive guy who could not get his videos played.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I just seen something recently about uh, politicians, and are we going to inextricably link ourselves to the fact that not only is your the politician that you want, do they have to say the right things, but they now have to look the right way, and it's. I think it's as true in that in as anything, you know. You want to be visually uh, aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. in everything. I mean, and even even if you're just listening to a pop I album, mean, even if you're still listening to it, you know, you know, there's a lot of streaming music out there. I still think a Christopher Cross is not going to succeed because you still have to be visually on David Letterman uh-huh. or on the Today Show or somewhere on the cover of a independent rock magazine, you still have to have the right look.
1: Yeah. That definitely made Image very, very <clears throat> important. Too
0: important, I think.
1: I think you're right. So, well, I think that probably wraps it up for us. Yes, it does. So let me do the recap. Uh, <clears throat> some of the great debates that we settled here. Um... <coughs> Mark McGuire, Hall of Famer or Hall of Shamer? A semi-split decision since I really don't care one way or the other. So we're going to go with Nick on this, and we're going to say that Mark McGuire is a Hall of Famer. Limp Biscuit, Saviors or Goats? It was a surprisingly, horrifyingly narrow, but we did come to the right decision that they're goats. Zeppelin or Sabbath, we're split. Nick says passionately that it's Sabbath. I say, eh, it might be Zepp. Did video kill the radio star? Yes, it absolutely did. Star Wars or Star Trek? We're split on that one. I say Star Wars. Nick says he has to go with his idealism and uh, go for Star Trek. The best James Bond disqualifying Sean Connery because it's just too hard to put him up against the other ones. Split decision. Nick goes with Pierce Brosnan. I go, somewhat reluctantly, with Roger Moore. (laughs) Harrison Ford's more iconic character, Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Han Solo. Canada or Mexico? Canada all the way. Red licorice or black licorice? Somewhat colorfully red licorice is what we decided to settle on there. Dallas or Dynasty? We both say Dallas. The original Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers? We say Buck Rogers. (laughs) At Hard Rock Album of the 80s, Appetite for Destruction, or Back in Black, by a narrow margin, we say Appetite for Destruction. So that is how Great Debates 2 has settled here on me and Mr. 80s.
0: They are settled, and you're welcome.
1: So I still want to say that we're uh, interested in hearing your Live Aid stories. If you want to tell us what you were doing that day, how you watched it, and what it's meant uh, for how it impacted your life. Uh, put "Live Aid" in the subject line and send that to us at Mister80s at RocketMail dot com. That is M I S T E R eight zero S. Hit us up on Facebook, me and Mister80s, and um, yes, I think that does it. And so, in honor of the uh, alcoholic bum, I guess we'll say <laughs> good night, Foster Brooks, wherever you are.